0: This morning, I know a lot of places, you know, they, you know, they do resurrected Sunday services and just about everything does something about the, the tomb on that day. Uh, but you know, we're not normal here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Once in a while, I have uh, preached a message that has to do with the holiday we're on. But you know, God wants us to learn things from His Word and His Word has so many things in it. And so we're staying right with where we've been going with the parables. And this is probably the first time ever I have spent three weeks on this one parable. But I think we're going to finish it off today. We want to get into the, the the parable of the sower. We want to finish these things off because one of the aspects of the resurrected life of Jesus is that he has commissioned us to go into the world with his power and to do the things that are that are we do as as his extension. We do that in the power of the of the resurrected life that he has given us, but we are called to be sowers. And in this parable, we understand some of the things that are behind being a sower and being one who receives the word of God, because these are all things that we have to have to be able to do. But today we're going to take a look at what does it mean for the word of God, the seed to produce in us. We've read the parable. We know that the seed should produce. We know that the seed should do some things in our life. And a lot of times we just accept that 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. And uh, we had about, um, I don't know, four people, I think, who asked me about what that meant. So I wrote something up and I sent it out to, to those folks who had asked about it. Uh, and really, it's just a method for me to take something that's in the Word of God and put it into my everyday life so that I'm constantly reminded of it. You can do it with the different things that you have going on in your life. But, we want to know how can the word of God become more productive for me? Most time we hear 30, 60, 100 we're thinking money. But this parable has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with the word of God. The seed is what is producing. Now Jesus sowed to a lot of people in his day. Some of those people were what you would call hundredfold reapers. And some of them were much lower. And some didn't produce anything at all. We want to see how do we get into that hundredfold group? How can we get ourselves closer to that? What are the keys? We're going to take a look at three different accounts of the exact same teaching that Jesus did. More so than with any other soil, we're going to see three differences between Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each one brings out a particular Aspect of becoming productive. Each one, I said, particular. We're going to get into all three of those uh, perspectives, all three of those things. What are these three keys? Because each one is important. If you only take one of them, you're not going to be as productive as you could be. We need all three. And then at here at the end, as long as I have time, and I don't, no, I don't forget. I want to answer this question. You may have never asked this question about the Word of God in your life. How is it? That we have one message that Jesus preached, three people who record it, and three people who quote Jesus differently. How do we have that? Did you ever ask yourself that? How can we have three people record the same, the same teaching, and then Jesus comes over with his, his disciples and he explains it to them, and Matthew Luke and Mark will record this one verse differently. Now, how is that? So hopefully we'll get to the end there. We'll, we'll have some time to, to do that. There, I think there is an answer for it. Now, you remember, we started off first with the understanding aspect of things. We need to have that understanding. The first thing that needs to happen with the word, when I get the word in, I got to understand it. If I don't understand it, it's going to get stolen. If I get past the part of understanding and I have the understanding, we looked at the stony soil. I put I left them up over there in case I want to bring them on out. But we got the stony soil in there. The stony soil, that had some extra things in there that prevented the programmed nature of the seed from doing what it needs to do to survive. To prosper and to grow. Every seed is programmed. We told you before, the seed is programmed to do what first? Send the roots down. Secondly, send a stalk up. But it always goes after the roots first. But some people get so excited about the Word, they don't want to spend time getting the roots down. They just want to show everybody what we got going on with the Word of God. What God has done for me. We're doing it for a show. I want everybody to see how much of a praiser I am. I want everybody to see how much of a giver I am. I want everybody to see different aspects. We're just just there for a show. It's all good to do those things, and many people never do that as a show. They do it because that's what's in them. That's what God wants. But the roots got to go down first. The seed is programmed to do that. But when you've got stones in your life, it prevents the roots from going down. So the only thing the seed can do is grow up and it can't endure. And so that was one soil. Then we went over and we saw the thorns. They came up and they competed. So there was understanding. There was soil. In fact, there's very little difference between these two, the good soil and the thorny soil, except thorn seeds. That's it. And so we spent some time looking at that. Mark's gospel even talked about how this one soil was different than the, than the other ones. But here, let's, be, let's begin over in Matthew 13. Let's just read over the parable again first. Matthew thirteen three. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on the ground, yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And of course the disciples pulled Jesus aside and said, explain this parable to us. So we've looked at the verses done it. I'm just going to look at the one here that has to do with the harvest, the good soil. Verse 23 of Matthew 13. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. The New Living Translation puts it this way. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Now this word, it's not being stolen because they understand it. If you understand something, it can't be stolen from you. The devil can only steal what he can keep you from understanding or he can cloud it. He can throw other things in there. I don't quite understand. I thought I understood this, but we let it go. We don't tend to to stay on those things. It's a real good case in point. How many people work with algebra every day? Anybody work with algebra? Not a soul. What a waste of time that was, right? (laughs) We all said that. We're going through algebra. This is a waste of time. (laughs) How many people use geometry? Anybody use geometry on a regular basis? All right, we got one person. Some people in like uh, some of the, the fields where you're building things, you get into the geometry. Most of us went through geom I went through geometry, and for some reason, my brain clicked with geometry. I don't know why. I didn't love it. I didn't have any kind of an affection for it. But for whatever reason, geometry came easy to me. And uh, I got an A in the class without really trying. It's probably about the first class I ever got an A in the class without really trying. I don't know what, I could, I could drift off in class and ignore them and get to the test and just ace the test. For whatever the reason was, I don't know. I can't do it now. But I could then, I understood the stuff. If you understand the subject, you don't lose it. We didn't understand, most of us here, we didn't understand algebra going through class. And so because of that, we lost it a lot, a lot faster. Because I didn't understand it, I don't use it. When I don't use it, when I don't see the application for it, then it slips away from it. The understanding is important. And that's what he's saying here. They understood the word. They heard it. They spent time to listen to it. And they understood it. They didn't succumb to the temptation. They didn't uh, uh, not allow it to get rooted in their life. They didn't let the thorns come in. They stayed with it. And they kept going. These are the people that made this production. For, to, made this produce. The word for produces. Now, sometimes I go through and I pull the Greek out. I don't think I pulled the Greek out. We, we did a class here a, number, a long time ago, and we taught people how to read Greek letters. How many people were here for that? Yeah, a couple of people are still here. Some of the folks listening online have been through that too. But um, Greek intimidates people, and really, it is an easier language to read than English. It would blow you away at how easy it is. We get uh, kind of distracted because you look at those letters and say, what are those letters? They're so strange. They're so weird. But the nice thing about Greek is every letter has one pronunciation. If it's in the sentence, you say it. <laughs> None of this, uh, you know, silent P's or whatever else that they have in English. English is terrible. Uh, you know, they have those, uh that one guy, we were watching this video. It was so funny. The guy was showing all these words like comb. And you'll see how comb is, is pro- pronounced. And then uh, he'd put another letter on, on, in front of that. And you wouldn't say the way that it would be pronounced reading it. Because you know, no, that word is this. Why? There's nothing that changed. Except for the first letter. Why does all the other letters have to change in their sound? That's just English. Greek doesn't do that. Greek is such a nice language in that way. It just makes sense. Every letter, one pronunciation. No long e's, no short i's, nothing like that. There's no rules in, the, in that thing. If it's an e, it has this saying. This saying. They actually have one e for a long e, and another we call it e uh, for a short e. It's a whole separate letter. It's just so much easier. But once you learn how to read the language, the, the letters, you can use like ninety percent of the Greek helps that are out there because a lot of them are in English. You just got to be able to find the word in Greek. That's it. So it's a piece of cake. So I still sometimes I'll leave them on in there. Uh, it's easier for me to read the word in the Greek language, not because I'm some smarty. It's just because of that one thing. If you put it into the English, that E now, what, what is that E? Is that a long E? Is that a short E? Is that a long O? Is that a short O? You see, in the, in the Greek, a long O is a W. That's omega. A short O is an omicron. That's an O. That's it. But in English, you can't do that. So a lot of times when I have the English part in there, I have the O for the short O and the long O has the O with the line on top so that you know it's a, it's a long O. But uh, in Greek letters, you don't have to do that. So it's much easier to read this, but the Greek word here is poieo. Poieo is the, is the word it means to produce or produces. The definition I put in there for you, to make or to do, sometimes used of the bringing forth of fruit. But it is to make... Or to do. This word here produce, when it says that you will produce, you will bring forth and produce, that word to produce basically is you're doing something with it. It is working in your life. You are putting it, putting it to work. This word is not an uncommon word. 579 times you will see this word used in scripture. 579 times. Now we're going to take a look at each one. No, we're not. <laughs> but, but Vine says this, to adopt a way of expressing by act, or I put in uh, uh, parentheses, action, the thoughts and feelings. To adopt a way of expressing by act the thoughts and feelings. If I have thoughts and feelings, if I have understanding, if I have something on the inside of me, I find a way to bring it to action. That's what this word is talking about. That's how Vine writes it. It stands for a number of such acts chiefly to make, produce, create, or to cause. Now, one of the Greek things that I have, it puts it this way. To make, do, create, produce, work, accomplish, perform, or act. What I want you to see is we read in the English produce and we always think in the direction of, well, if I put this into a CD, how much is it going to produce for me? I'm thinking of what I'm getting back on it. But actually, the Greek word is more about putting it to work, getting it going. It's not so much on the yield. It is on the action of putting it to work for you. That's the idea here. But I do want to take a look at a couple of places where this is used. In Matthew one twenty four. Now, 579 places this thing is being used. I didn't want to pick and choose. I took, what is it, the first, first seven? I think I took the first seven and I threw James in because I wanted you to see James. But I really just took the first seven times this is being used so that you can see how this is being used, not selectively taking some that emphasize a certain point. So the first time we see this used is in Matthew one twenty-four, And Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. So the angel came to him, gave him a, a, a vision in his sleep, a dream, and told him, look, this thing is of me. I want you to go and marry her. This is in his dream. He gets up and what's he do? He poyeos. He put it to work. He did it. That's what it was. So, look at this. The seed came. The word that was spoken by God in the dream, that's the seed. It comes into Joseph's life. It brings forth or produces. Why? Because he did it. Because he acted on it. Because he believed that word. And that's what, and then it did produce for him, he became the uh, the husband and then the, the father of Jesus. Matthew 3, 8 through 10. We're going to see this used twice in these three verses. Therefore, bear fruits. The word there, bear, is this word. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Now, what's he mean by that? Excuse me a moment. This guy just uh, kind of slipped off of me. What's he mean? By bare fruits, worthy repentance. In other words, if your kids did something wrong, or you as a kid did something wrong, and you got caught, right? How many times? Have we, anybody ever been caught doing something wrong? hmm. Yep. And so, we know we were caught, and so we say to the person who caught us, I'm sorry. Do we mean it? No, we're sorry we got caught. We're not sorry we did the thing. If we're given the opportunity, we would do it again. Right? Because I am saying I'm sorry. But there, there's no fruit in it. There's no production of it in me. He's saying bear fruits worthy of repentance. There ought to be some actions on your part. And true repentance involves a change. Understand this. Just speak to you. You do not need to be sorry for your sin to be forgiven. You may you may have done something, and you may say, Boy, but I liked it. <laughs> I, I, I won't do that again, Father. I know this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, but I liked it. And we feel like I have to get rid of that part that says, I liked it. No. No, it's, it, you just got to stop doing it. That's all. It's just like if you stole the cookies that mom made, and they're out there on the counter, and you ate them. You do not have to hate cookies. You just got to stop stealing them. That's all. The enemy wants to get you convicted to think you gotta, you gotta hate cookies. No, I'm not gonna hate cookies. I like cookies. But I just gotta pick and choose the ones that I go and get. That's all. Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit that is worthy of repentance. If you're not going to repent, if you're not going to show me actions, if you're not going to show me fruit that says, I have repented. Not that you feel sorry for it or feel bad about it, but that you repented. Matthew 4:19. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That is poieo. That is what that word is. What he is saying here is this. I will do things. I will speak things. I will mold you. I will mentor you. And make you, poyeo you, into fishers of men. That's what he is saying with that verse. Matthew five nineteen. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men, so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does... There's our word. Whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He even throws in there teaches them. Do them and teach them. Do those things. It's, just, it's not talking about a yield on here. It's talking about going out there and doing the commandments that God has said. Down at verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. That's our word there, do. Poyeo. Jump on down to verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. There's our word do. Verse 47. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? We saw it twice there. What do you do? And do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now we get on to James. I threw James in here. You're going to see why here in just a minute. James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word. Be That is poieo. Be doers of the word. So that same word that is used in the parable is the same word that is used here in James. Be doers of the word. If you want to become one who produces, then simply do what you have been sown into you what the Word of God, when it comes in you, understanding comes, do it. Put it to work. Get it going. Every day, get in there and get this thing going. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Don't just hear the Word. Hear it and get out there and do it. Hear it some more, get out there and do it. That is what that Word is talking about. Now in James, it is it comes from the exact same word, poieo, but it, it's actually, if you look it up, and anybody's going to go out there and look it up, it's actually the Greek word poietis, which comes from poieto, and it just signifies a doer. It's the only difference in it. Now, we're going to have a video this week, and I'll tell you about it here at the end. We're going to have a video this week, and I was going over it again here this morning, just to uh, keep it fresh in my mind so I have something to talk to you about at the end. But as I was listening to it, you're going to hear this word come out. I didn't realize it the first time I went through it that he did this. On there, but you're going to hear this word come out, Poyeo. Now, to be fruitful with the seed. From the perspective of Matthew. This is how Matthew is looking at it. We're going to deal with Luke. We're going to deal with Mark. First thing right here, we're looking at Matthew. How Matthew says we come, we can be one who bears fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. To be fruitful with the seed is to be one who, first off, is a doer of what they hear. You are a doer of what you hear. You give no room to contrary things. We're not going to allow the the rocks to come in. We're not going to have contrary things in our life. And third, we'll creatively overcome obstacles to doing. And that is what this word, I didn't talk about that part of it, This, this word actually talks about that if you cannot do a thing, you will creatively come up with a way to get it done. give you a couple of examples for this. Ladies, how many times, I'll say ladies because more often than not, it is ladies working in the kitchen. I know some guys get out there and they do the kitchen. I've done some kitchen things too, and I could pull in my own experience, but I know more often than not, the ladies are the ones taking over the kitchen and kicking the husbands out. Get out of here. sometimes I'd say you know they, they come in and do it together but have you ever been in there cooking something and realize you don't have one of the ingredients yep so what happens do you just throw the whole thing out no what do you do substitute and some people have locked in their head what you can substitute well if I don't have butter I can do I can do this if I don't have uh what is it um Uh, basil, I can use tarragon. I think that's some, I don't think it's quite a a good thing because I can tell when tarragon has been used. I'm not, I don't hate tarragon, but I don't love it either. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell when tarragon has been used in the, in the dish. I tend to like, uh, you know, some of the other ones a little bit better. That's a little bit strong for me. Rosemary. Anybody like rosemary? That's a little too strong, but I don't, I don't love rosemary. And bay leaves. Bay leaves came from the pit of hell. I know it. I I don't understand bay leaves. Now, I know I'm in the minority with that. There's other people who, who like that. Uh, how many people are going to cook a ham and put cloves in it? Oh, yuck. Oh, that is so... Oh, I, I won't touch a ham like that. Way back when we took the kids out to creation, I came up with a recipe. For the, for the ham. And ever since I've done that, we got, when we got married, I I shared it with my wife. And so every time we do a ham, that's the recipe we use. There's no more cloves on our ham. No cloves sticking out. You put those little black things sticking out on out all over there. Oh, I don't, just don't like them. You like them, that's fine. You can have all the cloves you want. I'm not going to the store competing with you. We do, we gotta make our ham with a nice horseradish brown sugar, and lemon juice combination. And uh, I took the recipe, the original recipe, and I doubled up on the horseradish. Doubled up. Because that's what's giving it all the flavor. I want horseradish. It says, you know, a tablespoon. No, no, no. Half the jar. <laughs> Stuff that sucker right on in there. It don't matter. You're cooking with it anyway. You cook all the heat out of it. You just get the flavor that's left behind. That's all that's, that's there. But anyway, we can tell some of those things. But you know how to... You know how to change it. You know, all right, well, I don't have that right now, so what do I have that I can use instead? Guys that are working out there, working on cars, if you don't have the right tool, well, what do I have and how can I make it work? And so you get creative into into how you're doing it. How many remember that song, Um, There's a Hole in My Bucket? Uh Anybody remember that song? Uh There's a hole, uh, Liza, I think it's Liza, isn't it? Uh Liza, There's a Hole in My Bucket? Uh And, you know, we go through the whole song and, you know, he's got to fix the roof and, and, well, he's got a hole in the bucket and, and you know, it goes all the way around to the back. Well, I can't do that because this and I can't do that because of this and I can't do that. There's no solution to my problem. And we get all the way down to the end. Yeah, but there's a hole in my bucket. <laughs> and so he can't go out there and he, he can't do all these these things. There are some people who just find excuses for why they can't do it. When this word is used, it is actually talking about a creative aspect in which you don't just look at the thing and say, I can't do it. You look at the thing and say, how can I get this thing going? How can I get this, get this moving? What can I create? What can I invent to make this thing happen? And so when he uses this word, poieo, he's saying, you are one who produces. You are one who takes that word and you put it to work And there is nothing that is going to stop you. Let's go on then in the second one. This is Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. But these are the ones, the exact same verse, exact same words of Jesus he's putting in here. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Now, can you see the difference in words? Where's produce? Where's poieo? We replaced it. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Where did accept it come from? How come Matthew didn't talk about that part about accepting it? Williams puts the translation this way. And the people sown in rich soil are the people who listened to the message... And welcomed it. And yield 30, 60, even 100 fold. Now he's not emphasizing the doing. He's emphasizing the what? The accepting or the welcoming. This word. Welcome. Or accept. Depending upon the two different versions we have there. Paradekoma. It is to Receive. Or admit with approval. To receive or admit with approval. Now, this probably won't go on real strong here today, but uh, how many people are having people coming over? How many people are... Nobody's having anybody coming over. I am. We got people coming over. How many people are going somewhere? All right. We'll, we'll work with you folks. You're going somewhere. You're going to a place. Now, when you go to the house, they're expecting you, right? They're expecting you? That's good. We're we're not sure. At our house, we're not sure who we're expecting. Differences could be off by six or seven people. (laughs) But we, we know that some people are coming. So when you go to the house of where you are expected, and you ring the doorbell, how many of you do not expect this as a response? What are you doing here? You don't expect that, do you? What do you expect when you ring the doorbell and they open the door? What are you expecting? Come in. Come in. Hello! Good to see you! Come in! Right? That's what we're expecting. What you received when you got there is that someone approved of your visit. Now, think back to a time when you were expecting people at your house. Let's say that you have 12 people coming over. For most people's houses, that can, that can fill you up pretty good. 12 people coming over. And you know who the 12, you've got the 12 places set around. You've made food for maybe, you know, a few, few extras. Maybe some of those people have a big appetite. But you got the food to handle the 12 people you should coming over. And all of a sudden, Uncle Joe knocks on the door. Then you open the door. Here's Uncle Joe. What are you thinking? What are you doing here? Right? You like Uncle Joe. but we're not ready here for his visit right now, are we? And plus, he's got five kids in tow. And is what? That's going to change things. You have looked upon Uncle Joe, and he has met with disapproval. And you do not wish to admit into the house. This is what this word is meaning when it says welcome. It means, let me read it for you. I don't know if I read it for you yet or not. It means this, to receive or admit with approval. To accept or by implication delight in. If you have a visit from Uncle Joe and you're not expecting Uncle Joe, are you delighting? No. Now down the road, you invite Uncle Joe and his family to come on over. They knock on the door. What happens? Good to see you. Come on in. Right? Why? Because I was ready for it. I'm inviting. This is what this word means here. This is what Mark brings in that is different. It says, welcome. Welcome into the house. I'm going to read you some of the uses for it here. In Acts chapter 16, verse 21, And they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Jews, to receive, that's our word, to receive or observe. Para decoma. You are receiving it, but you are first making a judgment on it. Should I accept this? Should I accept it? When you go to the store and you pay with anything $50 and up, what do they do? They check out your bill. They have that pen. They make that pen on it. They get the the little light. Put the light on it. What are they doing? I'm making a judgment as to whether I should accept your method of payment. That's what they're doing here in Acts chapter 16, 21. They teach customs which are not lawful for us. So, I I hear the custom that they're teaching. I compute it. Wait a minute. We're not supposed to do that. So, I've decided it's not welcome in my life. And that's what he, he is saying here. Acts 22, 18. And, they, and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. This is the Lord speaking to, uh, to Paul. They will not receive your testimony concerning me. They're going to hear your testimony. They're going to judge it. As not something they want to receive, and they will reject you. So get out. 1 Timothy 5.19 Do not receive an accusation against an elder except for two or three witnesses. You're going to hear it, but don't receive it. That's what he's saying. You will hear it, but don't receive it. Nothing wrong with hearing it, but don't receive it unless it is backed up by two or three witnesses. We'd be better off if we did this in all areas of life. Now, I've I've just adopted myself the way that I live. I will hear people will say some things about somebody, but I don't accept it. It's just kind of, all right, yeah, I heard that. That's your opinion about brother, sister, so-and-so. And it's, it's just gone. I, it is gone from me. I won't even remember it tomorrow. Because you see, it wasn't verified. And so I don't keep it in my memory. It's gone. I can remember things from 40 years ago. But you could tell me something about somebody else yesterday, and I probably would have forgotten it. If it's not backed up by two or three witnesses, I don't need to deal with it. By Scripture, I don't need to deal with it. I don't need it in my head. I just go on. Don't receive an accusation. Hebrews 12.6 For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. That means there are some people who want to be His sons. He says, no. Why? Because they're not a doer of His word. We know that from other Scriptures, not from here. See, there's a judging on this. There's a should I admit this into my life? Now, we need to welcome and accept the word we have heard. So I put it this way. How do you accept uh, How do you accept a visitor? How do you welcome a visitor? And I gave it to you in a way that you can remember this. The only blanks you got in the entire outline. Right here. How many people know AARP? Yeah, they keep sending me stuff and I kill them right in the trash can. It's not because I reject how old I am. I just reject them. I, I don't like AARP. I don't like a lot of things that they're doing. So their stuff goes right into the trash. If you are a member of AARP, that's fine. That's that's what, that's what you wanted. I don't. I've made a deliberate decision to stay away from them, so whatever comes from them, it goes into the trash. I don't care how much money you're saving me. I don't want you. But we'll use them. We all know the, those letters, AARP. This will help you to remember. When you welcome a visitor in... You will attest to this. This is the, These are four things that you will do that will either welcome them or make them feel unwelcome. There are also four things that if these are not done for you, make you feel unwelcome or could make you feel welcome. Ready for them? First one is attention. If you go over to somebody's house today, Hi, how you doing? We were expecting you. They sit you in a room and they never come into the room to see you. You got no attention. Does anybody even know I'm here? Why did I come? I'm sitting here all by myself. This is no good. You want people to pay attention to you. Likewise, if Uncle Joe came over and you were not ready for him, how many of you try the tactic of, let's just ignore him. (laughs) Let's just not give him any attention and see, maybe he'll go away on his own. (laughs) Attention, that's the first one. The second one, attitude. All right. I may give you attention, but I'm giving you attitude too. I can give you attitude. You're you're giving me attitude right now. Just look. I can tell. It's good attitude. I'll tell you what. It's good attitude. I like this. I like the attitude right here. This is good. This is fun. But you see, you can convey attitude, and it can be good, and it can be bad. You can be conveying an attitude that I do not want you here. And you can also convey an attitude. I am so glad you came today. It's been so long since I've seen you. Oh, I just so enjoy your fellowship. Attitude. I may be getting attention. But I may also be getting an attitude. And it's not a good attitude. That'll that'll tell me. Attitude can make you feel welcome or unwelcome. Just like attention. Here's the third one. Room. Uncle Joe comes over. We got twelve people sitting at the table. They've got five, six, seven people. Five kids, two adults, seven people. And they come in and they begin to sit down on the particular seats. No, no. No, no. That's so and so seat. No, no. That's so and so seat. No, no. That's so well, where are we supposed to sit? Have you ever gone into somebody's office and they have seats in the office, but there's stuff on the seats and you came on in, there's no room for you. Do you feel welcome if there's no room? There's stuff all over. There's no no room. Now, if you're going to have people over, everybody should have someone like Lissy in the house. Because Lissy is passionate, but she loves organization absolutely loves organization and she's a good organizer every time she comes over Lumi makes a mess of the dollhouse Lissy comes in and cleans it up that's just how it is so Lissy will come in and she was we just let her determine you tell us where everybody's sitting we don't need to tell her where everybody's sitting she can figure it out on her own and so she makes up little name cards and she puts everybody's name on them and then she puts them on the plates So when you come in, you know exactly where to sit. And if there are not name tags, it's real easy. Lissy, where am I sitting? I learned a long time, I don't need to make that decision anymore. It's already been made for me. I just go with the flow. And it's usually going to work out pretty good. So if you have that and you don't have room, you didn't make room, well, he's going to feel a little bit unwelcome, right? You want people to make room for you. If you came on over to a place and they were going to have dinner and, oh, I forgot to set you a place. They didn't have room. I remember Keith Moore, he talked about it one time when uh, he was supposed to go over to a place to, to, to preach. And this is when he was finding a commercial. And so he came in on a commercial flight and he was waiting to get picked up. And nobody came. Nobody nobody came. Oh, I forgot that was Today. We'll be right over and get you. <laughs> well, he knew right off the bat, if you didn't make room in your schedule to come pick me up, you probably didn't make room in the schedule for the for the meetings. And he knew not to expect too much out of that. You've got to make room for the for it. If you're going to make the word feel welcome, you're going to give the word attention, you're going to give the word the right attitude, and you're going to give the word room. You're not going to have any stones. You're going to get those stones out because I want to give the word room. Here's the fourth one. Provision. Provision. What would happen if you go over to somebody's house today and you, you all sit down at the table and there's no food? Okay. <laughs> Nobody cooked. There's no provision made. How many of you are feeling welcome? How many? I can, that can infringe upon Feeling welcome. There's no provision. You see, if you are welcome in the place, there is attention. There's right attitude. There is room. And there is provision. You might be able to add more things to it, but those are the four things I came up with. Those four things will make you feel welcome in a house today as you go and visit, do different things. But for the Word, you've got to give the Word good attention. Don't just set it down. Well, I heard that and I'm just going to ignore it now. You've got to give a good attitude. I, I'm, I can make this work in my life. I know I can make this work in my life. I know this is going to help me. You're going to give it room. You're going to give it provision. I'm going to, to do things to sustain it. I'm going to meditate on that word. I'm going to be imagining that word working in my life. I'm going to be mulling over that word so that I can get the understanding that I have of it to increase. This all comes from what Mark's perspective was Welcome. Accept. That's what these, this word is talking about. So is the seed welcome in your life? Have you made the seed, the word, welcome in your life? Now something is welcome in your life. See, the reason that Uncle Joe's not welcome in your house is because you have welcomed other people. And you're expecting other people. That's the only reason that Uncle Joe's not accept- not, not as welcome. The reason that the word's not welcome in your life is because you've accepted something else. You've welcomed something else. If what you have welcomed in your life is not the seed, it's going to be something else in your life that you welcomed. Now to be fruitful, learn about this one. To be fruitful with the seed is to be one who first off, we're just going over our AARP. First off, gives the proper attention. Secondly, gives the right attitude. A good healthy attitude towards it makes the room needed, even to the point of moving some things out of the way. And you get and prepare provisions. I am making provisions in my life for that word to work, for that word to be applied. we got one more to do. That's in Luke chapter 8, 15. I think we're going to get through all this. Luke chapter 8 verse 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart. Keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now they heard the word with a noble and good heart. Now keep that in mind. We're going to have some fun with those words later on. But here it says keep it and bear fruit with patience. William's translation puts it this way. You all know I like William's translation, right? (laughs) There is a place you can look up Williams Translation online. I only know of one place on all the internet that you can find the Williams Translation online. If anyone wants to know what that one place is, I will be happy to text it over to you. Just uh, send me a note and say, hey, let me know where I can read Williams. It's not the easiest one to interact with, but I don't care. I want to be able to bring that in so I can read it here to you and not have to type the whole thing. So we can do that. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. You ready? But the portion in rich soil illustrates those who listen to the message, keep it in good and honest hearts, and in patience yield fruit. Keep it in good and honest hearts, and in patience yield fruit. You see a little change in there? Having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it is how the New King James put it. Williams, whose specialty is verbs, puts it this way. Illustrates those who listen to the message, keep it in good and honest hearts. The good and honest hearts, it's what's keeping the word. New Living Translation puts it this way. And the seeds that fell in the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's message, cling to it. Impatiently produce a huge harvest. So Luke adds a couple of things here. The first being, keep it. That's the first thing he does. Keep it. The word here for keep has has some fun meanings and we're going to get into into looking at some of the uses of this, probably more so than the, the other ones. It is actually a compound word. The first part means to hold, and the other means to, uh, means down. Kata is the first part of this word. It means down. And echo means to hold. When you put them together, kateko, it means to hold down, to hold fast, to hold firmly. In Matthew twenty one, thirty eight. But when the vine dressers saw the sun, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Did you see it in there? In the New King James it's translated the word seize. Let us kill the Son, and let us grab hold, hang on to, hold fast the vineyard for ourselves. Luke 4, 42, Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. They tried to keep him from le- I don't want you to go. We want you to stay. They did everything they possibly could to keep him to stay. They're trying to hold him in this place. Luke 14, 9, And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. Now, this one took me a little bit to meditate on and figure this one out. What you have here is a, is the feast. The man comes in, he takes a seat of higher honor than he should have, and because of that, the seats for the they had seats of honor uh, more so than than we, we not really something that we can relate to as as easily, but it was well known. When you come in, these are the higher seats. These are not quite as high. These are a little bit below that, and here's the bottom. They know where all those seats are, and so someone came in, and they rated themselves as being up here. And says, "Like the best best thing I can say to you is this: If you can imagine going to a wedding, and you go to the wedding, and you know the front area, who's the front area reserved for? The family. Thank you. That's the family. If you walk into the wedding, and you are not family." But you sit up where the family is. And then they run out of room for the family. What are they going to do? Uh, excuse me, sir. Are you in the family? And <laughs> what, what do you say? Uh, no. Can you come with me? <laughs> and, and so in the front of everybody in the wedding, you get up and are escorted by the usher to the back of the church because the church is filled up now. And then you got to take a seat back. That's the closest thing I can think of to help us understand what this is. This is what has gone on there. You see, he could not hold fast the seat that he took because he didn't have the honor necessary. So he was taken back to a seat that he had more than enough honor to hold on to. John 5, 4. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well and whatever disease he had. That's the word. Whatever disease he had. Why is this word to hold down, to hold fast, why is that here? Isn't he there because he wants to Release it. Yeah. How many people know folks that have a condition, have a health condition, and they speak like, I want to get rid of this. But really, if you got rid of it, well, I'd lose my disability. I would lose my food stamps. I would lose, you know, they go over all the different things they would lose. And so they, they don't like it, but if they don't hang on to it, they lose all these things. Sometimes we hold fast to things we don't want because we don't want to lose what they bring to us. Well, right, we could spend more time on John, just seeing how that affected the entire story, but we're not going to do that right now. Acts 27:40, and they let go of the anchors and left them in the sea, while losing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. Now, you, your vision may be drawn to the wrong place in this verse. Because where it belongs is here at the end. They hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. The word there, made for shore, is what is this word. What they're saying here is this. They were on a ship. The ship was going down. The ship is on its way down. They finally found the land. And so they let go of the anchors that were holding them into this place. They were still in a dangerous place. But they were holding them from from just being torn up. So they had the anchors down when they saw the land. All right, that's where we have to get to. And so they cut off the anchors that are now holding them back from getting to where they want to get to. That's where we want to get to. And so they hoisted the sails in the storm. They had them pulled down because they were afraid to tear the, the, the boat apart. They hoisted them up. Let's see what we can get out of the sails to get us closer to the island. And we know from the story, they got as close as they could... And they knew the, stu- the, the, the boat was going to uh, get smashed on some rocks. And they told them all, as soon as that happens, if you could swim, swim for shore. If you can't, grab hold of some of the wood pieces that are going to be broken up and float into the shore. But what are you doing? You want to get off the ocean. Everything in you wants to get to that land. And it says they made for it. They saw the land and they held it fast. That is where we are going. I don't care about anything else. That is where I'm going. And so he uses this word. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They suppress the truth. They take the truth and they hold it down. Because we can't let that truth up. It is going to bring light to the things that we want people to believe that are false. Romans 7.6 But now we have been delivered from the law having died to what we were held by. We were held by. I don't want to be held by that. That thing is holding me fast. i got to get free of that thing. i got to get out of this. This one. I'm going to jump on down to 1 Thessalonians and read this one. 1 Thessalonians 5.19-22 through 22. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So here he's telling you this. Test it. Test it. Take what is coming to you. Approve it. And then once you approve it, hold it fast. Don't let it go. Keep hold of that. It's going to help you out. Do not let that thing go. Hold it fast. He says here, The um, verse 21, test all things, hold fast what is good. The word here for good is the Greek word kalos. It is not agathos. It is kalos. And we're going to take a look at a few places where these different words are being, being used. Now, agathos, which is not this word, agathos is good as in its benefit. You have judged the thing to be good in its benefit. It may not be intrinsically good itself, it may be good, but it is good in the way that it benefits, the way that it helps. Colossus is different in that it is good by its nature. Now sometimes, you know, you look on the, on the TV, I think this is probably about the best example I can think of. You watch the TV and uh, you cannot help but see prescription drugs ad, right? This one's going to cure this and cure this. But watch out, because it might kill you. It might cause depression. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Some of the side effects are death. I've always been amazed at that. They actually say that. Some of the side effects are death. (laughs) Suicidal tendencies. I mean, one of them, my wife and I were laughing. It's a depression drug. It might cause you to want to commit suicide. Well, let's give that to a depressed person. That's a good idea. So what they want you to do is they want you to see this thing has some good in its benefit but it may not be intrinsically good it may not itself be good but they want you to believe that it has some good in its benefit that's about the closest i can get for to help you understand these two words because when we talk about something good we just say it's good that's it right. but in greek they have something different kalos means it itself is the very nature of the thing is good, but Agathos is looking at more the benefit that it would bring it is good. Now it doesn't mean Agathos is a bad is a bad form of good. It just it's a different form of good. So when he's saying here, test all things, hold fast what is good. He's not saying hold good what is agathos, what is good and benefit. He's saying, I want you to hold fast what is intrinsically good, what has been tested to be good, what has been found to be good. Take those things and hold them fast. And don't let them go. Now in Luke 8.15, let's go back there. Luke 8.15, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with... Patience. Now, we're going to see good is actually, the word good here is actually used three different times. The first one, but the ones that fell on good ground is the word kalas. The ones who fell on ground that is good as to its nature is good. It's been judged good. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart. And this is what's really special about this verse. It has both kalas and agathos in it. When he says, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, what he is saying is, having heard the word with a kalas and an agathos heart. You heard the word with a heart that is intrinsically good and a heart that is good in its benefit he uses both of those words to describe the heart that brings this in and keeps it and that is what makes it so productive now here's the second thing that Luke adds we see that he adds this part of kept and of course the the noble and good heart here's the second thing that he adds he adds patience we didn't see that in Matthew we didn't see that in Mark But in Luke, he adds patience. Let's read that again. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. When you hang on to this thing, when you keep it, when you grab hold and hold on tight, you are patient with it because your intention is, I am not letting this go. I am not letting this go. You ready for an example on this one? How many of you ever had a son, a daughter, or a brother, or a sister who was, by their very nature, bad? I mean, that brother, that sister was always causing trouble. That son, that daughter, no matter what you did, they were always calling trouble. Now, you bring that, that son, that daughter home from the hospital, and they were trouble right off the bat, right? Trouble right off the bat. My mom will tell you if they knew how much trouble I was in the hospital, they may not have brought me home. <laughs> I was troubled. I didn't sleep at night. I didn't sleep in the day. And I didn't take naps. And I started walking early. And I started climbing early. And I could constantly find my way to trouble. I was good. At it. Better than... Any my brothers and sisters. I was, I was one of the best. And so she had to deal with that all day long. So I can sympathize with the Bacons and Lumi. I, cause I, I, I know what you're doing. <laughs> and I, I can actually enjoy that a little bit more than probably most people. But you know, it can wear you out. It can just wear you down. But you may have a son, you may have a daughter. You maybe you're picturing somebody right now, a brother or sister who is in this way. But especially sons and daughters, you don't lose patience with them right away. You're there, you hang on to them for years. You you keep trying, you keep sewing in. Fifteen years they've been treating you bad. Twenty years they've been treating you bad. Twenty-five years they've been treating you bad, right? And you just you just hang on to it. Why? Why? Why don't you just let that thing go? Because you got that patience. You got that, you're still hanging. No, I just know it might turn. I know they're going to turn around. I know they're going to turn around. That's the kind of thing that's going on here. It's that utter belief that what you heard, what you understood, and what you believe in the word will come about. And I will patiently wait it out. I will not let it go. I will hang on. And so Luke adds this word patience, because if you truly understand the word... You truly believe it. You truly bring it into yourself and keep it. You will not let it go. You will have patience. But there are some people who let it go too early. And they will not bring forth the fruit. Down the road, if you've got some people in your life that are just bad apples, they've been bad apples, got some things we're going to get to, I'm not sure when, soon, They will help you take care of those bad apples in your life. I know one person who believed and believed and believed and believed and they finally got some principles from the Word of God and changed in, I think, less than three weeks. All right, let's go on here. we got to finish. To be fruitful with the seed, from Luke's perspective here, is to be one who, first off, is holding fast to what was spoken. They don't let it go. They hold fast to what was spoken. You behave like one who is desperate to see the thing come about, just like you saw that island out there. And you're in the middle of the ocean. And third, you are patient in your holding and won't let go just because something doesn't happen soon enough. That is the perspective of Luke. Now, our conclusion in this parable. We are not led to the conclusion that the soil itself is better or worse. It's not the soil. It's the presence of the other things. There's never anything in there well, this was just better soil. No, it is always the presence of other things. It was the presence of the stones. It was the presence of the uh, being by the roadside. It was the presence of the thorn seeds. It's always the presence of something. The enemy is going to try and get you to judge your soil. This parable does not judge your soil. What it judges is the other things in your life that are taking the place of the soil or messing with what is growing in the soil. So you don't have to co- concentrate On being a better soil, what you need to do is concentrate on getting rid of the things, the traits that were holding the the seed back. So foot traffic, birds, rocks, bad seeds, lack of actual soil. These are the things that held it back, not the quality or condition of the soil itself. So let me run, let me review these for you. To be fruitful with the seed. Is to be one who first of all produces poyeo to make her to do some. Sometimes use the bringing forth fruit poyeo to make her to do. You are a doer of what you hear. You give no room to contrary things, and you will. <coughs> excuse me. You will <coughs> creatively. <coughs> excuse me. You will creatively overcome obstacles in the doing. That is poyeo. That is. Matthew's perspective, you will creatively overcome obstacles in the doing. Here's the second one, Mark's perspective. This, the seed needs to be, if you're going to, to make the seed grow, you need to be one who welcomes or accepts paradecomai, to receive or admit with approval, to receive or admit with approval to be fruitful here with this seed is to give the proper attention, proper attitude, to make room for the seed and to prepare provisions, make it feel welcome. Third, this is Luke's perspective, this is to keep kateko, to hold firmly, to hold fast, i hold firmly and to hold fast. To be fruitful here, you need to be holding fast what was spoken. Don't let it go. You'll behave like one who is desperate to see the thing come about. I am desperate to see this thing happen. And you are patient and holding and won't let go just because something doesn't happen so soon. Now, can you see three completely different perspectives from the same teaching? From the same teaching, we have three very different perspectives of what you need to do. How do three people listen to Jesus speaking and come out with three completely different perspectives on what you need to do? So I wondered about this. How is this possible? And I'm drawn to the part of the difference between when we speak and when we write. Now you've heard me do this and I'm sure that you have listened to many other ministers, many other people who are teaching the, the Word of God, and not even in an aspect of teaching, just in an aspect of conversation. And when you are talking about a particular thing, you may say, you know, that thing that we, we, we were at the restaurant, and we're eating, and oh, I'll tell you what, the food, oh, the food, it was, it was just delectable. It was just so, it had such an aroma to it. And the service which they brought it to us always oh, just wonderful. You may you may talk about something and you may rehearse that three different ways. Sometimes I tell you a, a principle, but I may tell it to you this way, and then tell it to you, and just just immediately repeat it. Or sometimes I just use different words right after each other. It was this, this, and this. But you see, Matthew keyed in on one. Mark keyed in on another. And Luke keyed in another. They're not remembering the event differently. They each latched hold of something. I guarantee you, you all leave here, if any of you have any discussion, if I've stirred any of your thoughts up on these things, if you have a discussion, some of you are going to latch on to this part. Some of you are going to latch on to this part. And some of you are going to latch on to this part. Sometimes, we, you may have even talked to... Were you listening to that sermon? Did did you hear? He said, what? I was sitting. I do not remember that being said. He said, what? I got to go back and listen to that again. (laughs) Right? We've done that sometimes. When you're talking, you can expand on things a bit more. But when you're writing, you don't do that with the same expansion. When you're writing, you're more concise. That's why it is so much easier to preach a sermon than write a book. Well, amen, it is. (laughs) Well, Jesus is one who produces. He was one who, he heard the word and he found creative ways to get it done. He heard the word from his father. He knew what his father wanted to do and he found creative ways to get it done. He heard the words that were spoken and he judged them as right that the father has spoken these things. And when the Father, and he knew the Father had spoken something to him, he held firmly to what the Father spoke, and he did not let it go. And he was our example of how we can make our lives prosper, how we can take the word that is in us, cause it to be successful. Now understand this, and all these words that are here, one of the aspects of it is that you need to judge before you admit, before you bring it into your life, you need to judge it by you, you compare it to the Word. Because if you bring in bad word into your life, that bad word is going to produce seed and you're going to go out and you're going to sow bad seed. The Word of God, Jesus had a couple of parables and one parable we looked at before this in the series before talked about someone who sowed bad seed. An enemy came in and sowed bad seed. Don't be an enemy of God. Make sure that the word that you speak is true. When you listen, listen with your spirit. Let your spirit tune in. Your spirit will say, this is good, this is good. And your mind may say, I don't know why, I don't understand this, but my spirit is saying this is good. So I'm going to latch on. I'm going to get hold of this thing. And that's what we do. There's an awful lot of Christians out there and they cannot discern between good and bad food. Have you ever had a dog? How many people have never had a dog? Everybody's had a dog at least, or just about everybody's had a dog at least once. We've had a lot of dogs over the years. We've had uh, some dogs that are picky eaters. How many have ever had a dog that was a picky eater? I mean, my, my wife was in there making eggs for him one day. <clears throat> We were growing up. We had this dog. Her name was Trixie. She was a half dachshund and half basset hound. The dog would eat anything. Anything. It didn't care. (laughs) My dad thought this was the most novel thing. And so he would find things on the table to give to the dog. And my dad liked liked hot peppers. (laughs) And so he gave the dog the hot peppers and ate it right down. I mean, it suffered later. (laughs) But it ate it right down. Never go into the garden and pick green tomatoes off the vine and eat them. This dog just would eat anything at all. Had no dis- discretion on the thing at all. And then other ones they're picky as can be. Some Christians they just swallow anything. They come out of a meeting, and you may come out and your spirit may say that was false, that was false, that was not right. And uh, you, you listen to somebody else, and they come out of the meeting, and they say, "Oh, that was so good." Oh, I can't believe, it. oh, it was so, that ministered to me so much. And you're thinking, what? Are you, no, I'm, I'm a lot more bolder now than I used to be. I see some people up on Facebook making, amen, amen. Oh, glory to God. I'm thinking, that is nonsense. <laughs> I just get a little tired of it right now. Stop making all this stuff about not, that is nonsense. It doesn't even make any sense. I'll throw out some scripture. Here's this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, and this scripture. I've had some people throw me back a scripture and it, I wrote them out, that doesn't say anything about this. <laughs> we should have some, some discernment in our tastes. Don't just swallow anything. Listen. Hear the word. This is this really from the word of God? Because if you, if I take it in, I'm going to be giving you bad seed. I listen to some some uh, preachers that go around and they they go around they teach. (coughs) Jesse's one of those. Jesse will say, "I got a pre God gave me a sermon." I'm thinking, "Well, good for you. You go out there and you can teach that sermon once, twice, three, four, five, ten, twenty times. You can go all over the place and preach that one." That's not how it works for me. When I get done today. I gotta start working on Wednesday. I got two to three days, and I don't have, that's not all I can focus on. I got two to three days to get stuff ready for Wednesday. Once I get through Wednesday, Wednesday's over. I gotta go on to Sunday. (laughs) And I gotta get, every week is that way. I love it. I, I, people say, how do you put up with that pressure? It's not pressure. I love it. Everything in me aches for that. I I love, I look at people travel around, they teach the same message all the time. I'm thinking, how do you do that? That would be so boring. But I love digging into Word because I know when I, when I take on something, I'm going to go through so much Word. I go through so much more Word than I ever give you on a Sunday to make sure that what I'm telling you is right, to make sure that it's balanced, to make sure that it's in there. There's a lot of, a lot of pastors, a lot of people out there. They teach in one area. I know I don't have that luxury because of what I was called to do. I know what my calling was. My calling was not to teach on any one topic. I am to teach on a whole lot of topics and give you the breadth of the Word of God in it. But I do not give you, my goal is not to give you anything surface. I'm going to take you in deep. There's a lot of Christians who don't want to go in deep. Fine, go them go someplace else. There's a whole lot of places you can go and get surface message. But we live in a world where you need the depth of what the Word of God says. You need to let that Word go down and take root. It should take root so much that when false stuff rises up, you say, nope, that's not right. I know that's not right. And you know it. You don't got these boneheaded Christians out there these ones going out and saying that the earth is 6,000 years old. You, I get so angry at these idiots who go around and say this stuff because you are giving a bad case to Christianity. God never said this earth is 6,000 years old. There's nothing in the Word to support it. And they go out there and say, if you believe anything else, you don't believe in the, the Word of God. There's a whole lot more topics with idiots like that going around teaching stuff. We don't, we don't need that kind of thing. We need people that are going to take the Word in because, folks... You are sowers. You hear the Word. You hear it from me. You hear it from other people. You are sowers. You hear the Word. You go out there and you sow it into other people. Every opportunity, look to sow it. Sow it into the Word. Invite them out to church with you. Invite them out to have a dinner with you. Talk about the Word. Sow the Word. Look for opportunities to sow the Word. Because if you're going to yield, you're going to sow the Word. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for your Word. You have done great things in your word. You've shown us many things. You've taught us many things. I thank you for the understanding that we can have in your word. Help us to dive deeper, to understand more, and to grab hold of everything that we can. We love your word. When we get it, we want to understand it. When we understand it, we want to hang on to it and not let it go. Your goal for us is to be productive and we want to be productive for you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Wherever you go today, look for places that you can sow the word. Look for places you can sow the word. Now, I want to tell you about this for coming up for you tomorrow. If you want to get it early, I already downloaded this. It's already on our YouTube channel. You can go up on our YouTube channel and get it. I got a Rick Runner one for you. And I got a couple of things for you on this. I love the interaction that you all had with me. Oh, a couple of you. Three people had interaction with me. I love the interaction. More of you, I'd love to get to get to do it. Rick is going to say something on this, on this video that is completely wrong. Completely wrong. He says it wrong. He does not believe it. How's he saying it? He just said it wrong. And he just didn't go back and correct it. Catch it. I want you to listen for it and catch it. And, uh, and it'll jump right, it'll jump right out. Once you hear it, it's like, what? It won't make sense to you. you know, you'll go back and say, "Did he say that wrong? Yeah, he just he just said that wrong." But um, he's going to teach you some things about the seven candlesticks. It comes from the Book of Revelation, but it's not really an end times teaching. It's coming from a few years ago. But he's going to teach you things about candlesticks. If you, how many people do not watch it on video? You just kind of lay it in the background. It's okay to do that. I, I do it sometimes myself. Most times, I do it myself. When you get to around the 20, 22 minute point, whatever you're doing, stop what you are doing and go to the video. You've got to see this part on video. It's only about 8-10 minutes long. Got to see it on video. You will be sorry if you don't watch this part on video. You really will. If you want them to send a comment when you saw that on there, it's it's phenomenal. It is some some great stuff, but you got to watch that part. After that, you can go back to just listening to the to the audio. But um, he's going to teach you some things about candlesticks. He's going to try and apply a lot of this to pastors and stuff like that. But you are still one who speaks the word. And make sure you hear these things in light of how you're going to be speaking the word. Wednesday, we finish our series on Ezra. And uh, people have to apply what it is that they just learned from Ezra and the sin they just saw that they were in. We're going to be in that on Wednesday night. Have a good rest of your day when you're out and about with your family or wherever it is that you go. Share the love of God and find places where you can sow the word. Have a great day.